The following podcast has been rated R because we say fuck a lot. What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, 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 fuck. Parental guidance is suggested. Hi, this is Uwe Ball. If you want to help support the podcast on this network, go to rogueintel.com. Thank you and go fuck yourself. TableReadsPodcast.com Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads. With Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Hey everybody, welcome to part the final of Roger Rabbit 2 Toon Patrol. Or the alternate title, Roger Rabbit 2, why is it called 2? It's a prequel. Yeah, really. It should be, uh, it should just be Roger Rabbit 2 and Patrol. Yeah, or something different than that because the, the weasels Patrol. are not in this. Yeah. They, they yeah. just should have named the the military force of Toons Toon, something other than the Toon Patrol. Toons on the march. I like that. That that elite because it reminds you of Citizen Kane. You know, it, it evokes the, the the old newsreels. Yes, uh-huh. that that take up like half of the last episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so maybe that's where I'm getting that subliminity. Maybe they actually say that. At, did they ever say that in the newsreel section? Tunes I, on the I march. I don't know. I don't recall. Mm. Um, we uh, Trevor and I are back this week once again without Kelly. Unfortunately, um, she's a very busy lady. I mean, you you would be too if you were. 26 and young and and uh, a model and uh, a, a comic book nerd and and, you know, uh, and a social you know a social butterfly I mean she's and, and a you know all that on top of her normal job oh yeah and she has and she has a regular media. job that pays her well so she you know it's it's kind of amazing that we got her for the episodes that we did at all really yes and she may be back at some future time but we don't want to get anyone's hopes up right. Uh, I really want her back when we do Joss Whedon's Wonder Woman eventually. Yeah, and she and she she really wants to do uh, boxes and drumsticks too. We, yeah, yeah, and you know we we definitely need some woman on for the female lead movies like yeah, Catwoman, right, and Wonder Woman, but that will be for the future. For the future, but let's look into the past. Previously on Table Reads. Okay, I haven't prepared for this at all. <laughs> all right. Casting my memory back. Um, Roger Rabbit. Yes. Raised, raised on a farm in Kansas. On his 18th birthday, he discovers that he is adopted, that he is a rabbit, and that he is a tune. That's um, right. That's a, that's a really... Really eventful 18th birthday. Yeah. All I did was buy a pack of cigarettes I didn't need and go into a porn store for the first time. And it, 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 it's played for comedy, though. That's what I remember is that, it, you know, it's that whole, wait a minute, you're saying I'm adopted and, you know, he's yeah. only white. I'm a tune? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, what's a tune? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he immediately decides to set off and find his real mother. 
Um, and he quickly meets Richie, who gives him a ride to L.A. because he ran him over. And uh, Richie is an aspiring actor. They get to L.A. Roger keeps looking for his mother. Richie gets his first job uh, in a movie. Uh, they both meet girlfriends, uh, one named Jessica Krupnik, uh, who will become Jessica Rabbit, uh, and her roommate, Wendy. Spoilers. And her roommate, Wendy. Um, and they're both dating these girls. And during his first movie job, uh, Roger, uh, during Richie's first movie job, Roger comes in and goes crazy, loony, cuckoo, tune stuff. Uh, <laughs> Ruins Richie's chances, but gets himself a contract, so Richie's very mad at him, but he doesn't have time to wallow in that anger because this happens on the day that Japan attacks Pearl Harbor. Yeah, very December eventful. 7th, 1941. Very eventful time. So then we jump forward in time to everybody's in the military. Um, Jessica has been kidnapped by her manager, who turned out to be a secret Nazi. And we all, did you mention, I'm sorry, did you mention that she was a radio mistress actress? I didn't, I'm oh, getting there. I'm sorry. Um, why, why did you ask me if I mentioned it? Aren't you listening to what I say? No. Isn't this how a, a podcast partnership works? I don't doubt that that's how it's supposed to work. Oh. <laughs> I don't doubt. You just never read the how to stand next to somebody on a microphone I don't think, yeah. Uh, book? It, if it involves read, there were no pictures. I uh, I had to lie down. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Jessica is being used um, at, as the voice of Nazi propaganda. Which really would have been funny if they had made this movie. Yeah. They would have been a lot funnier to, like, have this super gorgeous cartoon character who was being used as a radio actress. Well, that was her job at you know, the time. Yeah. Um, but because, been- because, remember, she's not super gorgeous yet. The last well, episode ended. I kind of got the vibe that it was this unspoken thing that, like, no one really notices it until she puts on the dress. Yeah. But she's still the exact same uh, a whole, dimensions. A and- whole Rachel Lee Cook thing going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> she took off her glasses <laughs> yeah, and now right. Paduja. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so- That's actually not like Rachel Lee Cook. That's uh, Supergirl's sister. Not another teen movie is the, when they do that joke. But no, they're, the, the whole they're they're yeah, yeah, mocking yeah. the Rachel Lee Cook Correct. movie yes. where she had glasses and overalls, and yes. that's basically all they did to change her. Yeah, but I mean, like if you watch the beginning <laughs> of She's All That and yeah. you're not like, holy shit, that girl's hot, you're yeah. an idiot. Oh yeah. So anyway, I've never seen She's All That. I've only like seen parts of it. Oh, I don't think it. anyone's ever actually seen it. I should I should watch that movie. <laughs> that would, what what a what a I great would. like early two thousands throwback. Or late 90s, even. Yeah. Anyway, don't care about that. Not recommended. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, where were we? Um, So, okay, yeah, so she's Axis Annie. Yeah. Is her name. She's uh, making this propaganda to demoralize allied troops. And uh, so, yeah, so um, there's a Nazi plot to kill Churchill and Roosevelt and Stalin. When they're having a meeting at Malta, I think. Yes, Malta. Um, so Jessica is going to get into her Nazi boss's office to 
stop him, to get the keys from him that control the remote-controlled airplane that's going to crash into their yeah, summit. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and meanwhile, Roger and Richie are on their way to Berlin. Yeah, we, we stopped it right when she came yeah. out of, yeah. yeah. Uh, that Roger and Richie are on their way to Berlin with some other tunes to rescue Jessica because they finally figured out that was her voice as Axis Annie. Don't know why it took so long. Again, another joke that would have worked much better yeah. in the um, movie. And so in order to get Jessica access to those keys and get the... Because they're on the pants of her boss. Yeah. Um, she has to get into his needs, pants. She needs to get into his pants. So uh, the people around her have decided to uh, to sexy her up. And they are very uh, hesitant to believe that this is going to work. Apparently, she's just a fucking dog. You know, because she's wearing glasses or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where we leave off is that uh, she's just stepped from behind the screen where she was changing, and we have not seen her yet, but the other characters are reacting. Uh, majorly. Wow, you actually ran out of the previously music. <laughs> well, we did a lot wow. of asides this time. Yeah. Which is fine. That's never happened before, I don't think. All right, but let's uh, let's get into it. Fade in. Interior, anteroom, night. Outside Otto's office, there is wood paneling as well as a small fireplace. Corporal Gottfried is sitting at a desk struggling to type a memo. Struggling to type a memo. Uh, <laughs> His entire arm... Oh, that's right. He got attacked by the Toon Panther. His entire arm is bandaged where the Toon Panther lacerated it. He's wearing spectacles, slowly pecking out words with his good hand. We hear a door open, and Jessica's voluptuous shadow moves across the wall. It passes the fireplace, and the dead embers inside burst back into flames. The shadow continues along the wall, stops in front of Corporal Gottfried, who is now covered by her shadow. He slowly looks up, Reacts. His glasses lenses shatter and he immediately resumes typing again, one handed, at 120 words a minute. <laughs> Interior, Otto's office, night. Otto is sitting at his desk, jotting some notes. His two Toon Panthers are sitting on either side of the desk in their usual protective stance. The intercom buzzes. Yabal! Uh, through intercom. In German. Santa in. He looks back down, resumes writing. The double doors swing open to reveal a backlit Jessica. Ah, miss. Looks up, reacts. Krupnik. Angle, Jessica, who steps into the light, revealing her in all her glory. <laughs> She saunters across the room. I think that was her first saunter. The Toon Panthers take one look at her, and their lower jaws drop to the floor. <laughs> Otto sits there, dumbstruck, then tries to regain his composure. <clears throat> uh, my, this is an unexpected pleasure. They're usually the best kind. <laughs> Can I... Forgot about your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Can I get you a drink? Glances over. You'd better hurry. Your ice is melting. <laughs> Otto tries to remain nonchalant. Steps to the bar where we see the ice bucket boiling over. 
He inserts the ice tongs, pulling out nothing but hot water, obliviously placing it into a glass. So, my dear, what brings you by? Jessica strolls over, standing right in front of him. I came to help you launch your rocket. (laughs) Otto reacts. I I, I had tea in my mouth. (laughs) Otto reacts. The highball glass shatters in his hand. (laughs) Interior. Jessica and Wendy's quarters. Night. Wendy is pacing by the sofa. I guess Richie and Roger already got to her. I forgot that. Wendy is pacing by the sofa. Richie is looking out the window towards Otto's office on the other side of the courtyard. You were Wendy. I know. I'm doing the pacing noise. Oh, okay. Well? I can't see. The windows are all steamed up. Oh, God. This was a stupid idea. She's such a sweet little kid, and we sent her in there with that viper. Relax. It's going to work. Suddenly, we hear loud knocking on the door. Time to eat! Who the hell is that? It's just dinner. As the door is unlocked, Richie quickly moves next to it, so he is hidden from view when it opens. Private Caning enters, carrying a large pewter tray with a covered platter on it. Because that's how you feed prisoners. (laughs) He sets it on a table next to the sofa, takes a small carnation that is sitting on it, and crosses to Wendy, smiling. In German... A flower for a flower. Oh. Looks up at him, romantic. Take a hike. No, 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 no. Romantic. I'm sorry, that's right. Because remember, she doesn't understand him. That's right, I forgot, yeah. Oh. Take a hike, you repulsive little hun. Caning smiles again, thinking he's scored big. He gives her another wink and exits, closing the door to reveal Richie. (laughs) We have a thing going. You get room service? (laughs) Not half bad. Richie pulls the cover off the tray. We see Roger, surrounded by garnish and hunched over with an apple in his mouth. (laughs) He shouts, his voice muffled by the apple. Jesus! Roger, it's you! Roger pops up now, still undressed, but surrounded by garnish from the waist down. He pulls the apple out of his mouth. Yes, I have arrived at last to retrieve my buttercup from the clutches of evil, the sea of despair, the valley of Rudy. Is she available? She's not here right now, Roger. What do you mean? Where is she? Richie and Wendy exchange an apprehensive look. She's doing something for her country. We'll tell you if you promise not to get upset. Me? Upset? Unhinged? Upheaved? Promise, Roger. Go ahead. It's quite th- I'm quite serene. She's seducing a Nazi. <laughs> Roger tenses up, attempts to restrain himself. Interior. Interior, Otto's office, night. We are close on a portrait of Hitler. So romantic. <laughs> Hanging above Otto's fireplace. As we tilt down, we see the flames inside of it crackling. Pan right to reveal a leather wing chair upon which we see Otto's jacket and Jessica's shoes. We hear soft music on a phonograph and then voices. By the way, can I just say for the record, this is... I know it isn't, but this is the best Roger Rabbit fan script I've ever read. Yeah. 
<laughs> Except this motherfucker got paid for it. I know. That makes it even better. I, I mean, at so... least he got paid for it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yes. He didn't, he didn't do this great work for totally nothing. No. Okay. Um, I'm going to reread this last part because it leads into the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Pan right to reveal a leather wing chair upon which we see Otto's jacket and Jessica's shoes. We hear soft music on a phonograph and then voices off screen. Oh, Otto, you know just what to do. This isn't the first time I've played with this. I played this little game, my dear. Why do I get the feeling you're about to jump me? <laughs> because I am. Pan to reveal the two of them playing checkers at Otto's <laughs> desk. Otto's shirt sleeves are rolled up. His keys are hanging off his belt. Otto completes his triple jump, capturing several of Jessica's pieces. I'm going to go with three. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I like a man who takes charge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this would be so great if it was on screen. And fully animated with like, what's his name? I always forget his name from... Um, no, I was laughing at my voice. Yeah, I know. But how great would it be to see fucking like the, the dude from Hateful Eight? What's his name? Um, who played the Nazi? Oh, not, not from Hateful Eight. Um, um, you mean uh, Christoph Waltz? Yeah, Christoph Waltz to be Otto and, and an animated Jessica having a romantic dinner in front of a portrait of Hitler. <laughs> I would so love this. I like a woman who surrenders. Of course, I like anything that surrenders. He chuckles at his feeble joke, crosses to her and holds out his hand, slowly pulling her up from his chair. So, what game do you have in mind now? They start to dance. Camera follows them as they slowly move across the room. Is this music working for this scene? Why not? (laughs) They pass in front of the leaded glass window, where we see, distorted in one of the small panes, Roger's face. As they dance by him, his eyes turn red with jealousy. I'm so pleased you had the change of heart. I'm so pleased you've had this not at all suspicious no. change of heart. <laughs> you know, I don't suspect this thing. Let's keep doing <laughs> let's keep doing the cha cha, yeah. I'm so pleased you've had this change of heart. Grinding other nations under your heel of your boot is meaningless if there's no one to come home to at night. Pulls her close. <laughs> that could be you. Ouch. You're poking me. I am. Glancing down. Oh, it's just the silly keys on my belt. I can take care of that. She starts to undo his buckle. Angle, fireplace. We see Roger's face hanging upside down from inside the chimney, glaring into the room. Another angle. As Jessica slides the belt off Otto's waist, she tosses it onto the leather chair, turns back to him. That was fun, wasn't it? Now, I have to point out, we on this show have spent a lot of time talking shit about screenwriters who put in camera directions. Right. But this motherfucker does it right. Because if he says camera, he's saying the camera's following them to indicate that we're keeping them in the frame, nothing further. Yeah. When he says angle fireplace, that means we're seeing the fireplace, and then another angle, you know, he's just indicating, like, we're seeing different things. Yeah. But he's still leaving it up to the actual filmmakers to decide how to frame that, right. how to move the he's camera. He's basically putting in the stuff that needs to be expressed yeah. for the gag to work visually. Right. Beyond that, shoot it however you will. Nat Malden is a fucking national treasure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. 
And didn't you, what's the name of it? Um, Pronoun Trouble? Yep. Yeah, he has a production company (laughs) called Pronoun Trouble. Anyone who knows anything about Chuck Jones cartoons knows what Pronoun Trouble means. It's a Daffy Duck line. Yeah. It's not, he doesn't have to shoot you now. It's he doesn't have to shoot me now. (laughs) I say he does have to shoot me now. Shoot me now. I felt so vindicated when I saw it on Scrubs and and Dr. Cox was about to go into a rant and he just stopped and he said, in the words of Daffy Duck, I demand that you shoot me now. And I was like, yes. Um, Oh yeah, close. Jessica, we see now that she has the keys in her hand. A worked-up Otto doesn't see her slide them into her dress. Otto can take no more. Enough of this. I must have you. Here. Now. Jessica tries to pull away, reverting to her modest demeanor. Mr. Green, no. Stop it. Please. Another angle. As Hitler's portrait splits open and a still-naked Roger bursts into the room. Unhand her, you Bavarian bounder. Roger! Who is this? I'm sorry. Who is this? <laughs> sorry. Who is this thing? Roger stands there, covering his crotch area with his hands. Thought you could get away with ravaging my Rapunzel, eh? Over my dead, exposed body! To Jessica. Don't worry, Crumbcake. He won't lay another finger on your pristine person. Reacts negatively to her new appearance. Ugh. What did you go to? What did what did you do to yourself? Oh, I was gonna let you say turns to door. Gods, Bambi, Thumpa! The doors swing open and the Toon Panthers charge in. <laughs> Roger reacts with panic as the Panthers leap towards them. He pulls Jessica to the floor and the Panthers fly overhead, crashing into the side of the desk. Roger and Jessica race out the door, passing some soldiers on their way in. Stop them! Schnell! Schnell! Interior corridors, night. As Roger and Jessica race down a hallway, being pursued by Toon Panthers and Stormtroopers, we follow them for a beat as they run in mid-conversation. And that dress, quite frankly, is not very flattering. Another angle. As they come around a corner, run to the end of the hall, stopping outside the door to Wendy and Jessica's quarters. Wendy? Wendy! Jess? Are you okay? Come on, get us out of here! No problems, Rumi! Leave it to me! Hurry, Roger! In an instant, Roger runs back the length of the hall, then charges forward again at lightning speed, then slams into the door, which doesn't budge. (laughs) He slides off of it, flat as a pancake. Jessica blows on the door and it falls open. (laughs) <laughs> Richie and Wendy run out as Roger scrambles to his feet and stormtroopers and Toon Panthers come running around the corner. This way! That was your Wendy voice? Well, it's not my Roger voice. The four of them disappear around the corner as a klaxon alarm begins to sound. That's Interior. My alarm. Good job. Interior, Chateau Ballroom, night. As the group bursts through a door and races into the huge communications center. Richie overturns some transceivers and teletype machines. He succeeds in tripping up a few of their pursuers, but now other doors open and more stormtroopers and Toon Panthers race inside. The group is driven toward the corner, ending up in the radio booth, where Jessica does her broadcasts. An engineer is airing a song, Rum and Coca-Cola, on Radio Berlin. Richie, (laughs) WNZI, Radio (laughs) Berlin. 
Richie smacks into him, sending him to the ground and knocking the phonograph needle off the record. The two start grappling as Roger, close, grabs the radio mic and shouts into it. Hello? No, no, he's just shouting into the mic. Hello? Can anyone help us? The Lone Ranger? The Green Hornet? Mary Worth? If there's anyone out there, I just want to say... Roger is cut off as a hand moves into frame and squeezes him around the throat. Roger gags. His eyes bug out. Pull back to reveal Otto, flanked by soldiers and Toon Panthers. Richie, Wendy, and Jessica are all being held at gunpoint. Because you can hold Jessica at gunpoint. Yeah, there's... Well, this... She's a tune. Does she know she's a tune now? I forgot. She's a tune. Only Roger is too stupid to know that he's a tune. Jessica's in denial about, and everyone else is in denial about how hot she is. Roger was in denial about his tune. Okay. There's a lot of denial in this picture. Um, I'm I'm just frankly shocked that they denied to make this picture. It, it really does piss you off when you really think about it. It's a fucking great script. Why did we just script. call it a picture? I've never called a movie <laughs> a, a picture 40s. in my whole life. I, look, I do. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great picture. I like the, that picture. That kid stays in the picture. Um, I think we should bring. Oh, it they're back. being held at gunpoint. Go, Otto. Uh, there's no one who can help you now. He reaches down and gently puts the phonograph needle back on the record. We hear rum and Coca-Cola again. Oh, that was his end, end game. That's yeah. all. He just, it's like, I've, I really like this song. <laughs> I'll get you. Exterior, barracks, night. As the song continues, only now we hear it through a radio, which sits on a windowsill. We tilt down to reveal Pee-wee, the tune plane, who's obviously heard all this. He's nervously biting the end of his wing, not quite sure what to do. <laughs> Exterior, Chateau Courtyard, day, mid-morning. We see white, puffy clouds in the sky. Roger, wearing his overalls again, thank Christ, (laughs) and Jessica are being held in a corner of the yard, surrounded by Toon Panthers and two stormtroopers. Richie and Wendy are backed up against the wall as some more soldiers carrying rifles line up in front of them. The soldiers, in neat procession, stop and hold up their rifles. Somehow I feel this is all my fault. Otto emerges from the chateau, crosses into the courtyard. Good morning, people. I'd love to stay and enjoy this, but it appears your president arrived in Malta a few hours early. Looks like we launch before lunch. Ooh, a lunch launch. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, look, this whole thing was my idea. You don't have to shoot her. Yeah, shoot me instead. I love being shot. I live for it. I'm sure you do. Unfortunately, you two will have to settle for watching your human friends die. Looks up at the sky. They say it's supposed to rain tonight. To Richie and Wendy. But I don't suppose that would concern you. You've got to be the biggest turd I've ever met. (laughs) Otto is clearly enraged by this. I was enraged, but I was laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to act my feelings. (laughs) I'm not in touch with myself. It's very confusing. (laughs) He turns to Sergeant Gelber, the leader of the firing squad, in German. Finish them! Now! He walks inside the chateau. (laughs) Jessica bows her head. You said a French word with a German accent. (laughs) Jessica bows her head, seemingly in defeat, as Roger turns to her. Mother of mercy, is this the end of Richie? Nothing from Jessica. Don't hang your head, my barely clad cupcake. I'll think of something. Angle on Jessica, with her head bowed, 
only now we see why. She's looking down at Otto's keys, still nestled securely in the top of her dress. So we have a shot. Of it's just like, yeah, let's uh, get the camera right in them titties. Let's, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's do it. It's what like this you mo- directed this. Let's do what this movie's really about. Another angle. The soldiers ready their weapons as Richie and Wendy steal themselves. A tearful private caning approaches with a colorful silk blindfold. He hands it to Wendy. This I make... Wait, that's a French accent? <laughs> Hold on. Because <laughs> he's wooing or you're like trying to do Pepe Le Pew? Well, it's in broken English. He's not uh. speaking in German this time. This I make for you, Wendy. He crosses away, weeping. Wendy is touched. She... Now I kind of feel bad about the way I traded him. Hey, we're not exactly getting the red carpet ourselves. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, shoving some... Oh, I'm sorry for showing some human feelings. I know that's not your style. Don't start with me. They are interrupted as Sergeant Gelber pointedly clears his throat, then orders his men in <coughs> German to load their weapons. Log! The soldiers snap bullets into the chambers. Nuts. I never got to ride the cyclone on Coney Island. I never got to see the Grand Canyon. Jeez, you're breaking my heart. And I never got to kiss you. A reaction from Wendy as Gelber continues. She vomits. (laughs) (laughs) Ready? They raise their weapons. We hear the sound of a drum rolling. This music. (laughs) The assemblage reacts, then realizes the sound is caused by Roger's knees knocking together. He's chewing his fingernails, which flutter to the ground. Aim! The soldiers take aim. Richie and Wendy close their eyes as Blackie Cat saunters around the corner. Gilbert watches this a bit confused as Blackie struts in front of the soldiers and flower pots, dozens of them, big and small, fall into frame, knocking the soldiers out as Otto runs out of the chateau in a frenzy, points to Jessica. The keys! She's got the keys! Richie charges toward the group as Jessica is grabbed by the two tor- stormtroopers. 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 One of them raises his rifle towards Richie, who kicks it away and dives on him. They start fighting. More, can, is there some more exciting music? I mean, we've got a big battle scene. I like this. This is exciting. This reminds me of... Uh... <laughs> yes, let's just stick with this. I love this. Richie charges toward the group as Jessica is grabbed by the two stormtroopers. Yeah. One of them raises his rifle toward Richie, who kicks it away and dives on him. They start fighting. More soldiers run around the corner and start firing as Roger and Blackie jump on some Toon Panthers and begin slamming their heads together. Oh, it's Blackie Cat. It's Blackie Cat, yeah. I would have been here sooner, but we were checking out broads. Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. As the contingent of stormtroopers guarding the V-2 rocket hear the gunfire and quickly run toward the other side of the chateau. Exterior, Chateau Courtyard, day. Jessica struggles to get free from the soldiers. Otto runs over, reaches for Jessica's dress as Blackie reacts, quickly runs back and forth in front of the group, and small appliances by the dozen quickly fall into frame, knocking the entire group, Richie and Otto included, to the ground. We're almost due for a break. I got a timer. Okay. Well, okay, we got thirty minutes. Eight minutes. You know, you start eight you minutes. St- oh, I didn't realize you start. I start when we start reading. Ah, it's not about having the whole podcast be about an hour, just like an hour of reading. I can um, dig it. 
Uh, this music, though, is what I really dig with the horse sound effects. Jessica struggles to get free from the soldiers. Otto runs over, reaches for Jessica's dress as Blackie recaps. Oh, I already did that. Um, Jessica makes a break for it, starts to run, and Wendy runs with her. Richie scrambles to his feet, ducks gunfire, and winds his way toward the carriage house, where he runs inside one of the garage doors. We hear klaxon alarms now, again, and more groups of soldiers being... uh, More groups of soldiers begin emptying out of the chateau. Otto starts running after Wendy and Jessica. In German. Get her! We can't launch without the keys! Roger and Blackie continue duking it out with the other Panthers, avoiding their jaws and beating them with flower pots. Angle, machine gun tower. Two frustrated gunners fire at Roger and Blackie to no avail. Look at this! Nothing happens! They get me so crazy! <laughs> they stop firing as more Toon Panthers race out of the front door, Bambi and Thumper included. I don't know how we can tell. Are you right? <laughs> Roger and Blackie are now clearly overpowered. The Panthers corner the two of them against the wall, ready to tear them apart. The gunners look on. Fight fire with fire, yes? <laughs> at this, we hear the drone of approaching aircraft engines. The two gunners look at each other, and then up. Their POV, an Air Force C-47, just above the horizon, rising up over the tops of the trees. The cargo plane is heading straight for them. Gott in Himmel! Exterior, Air Force cargo plane, day, moving. As it sails along a few hundred feet off the ground. Interior, cockpit, day, where we find Droopy behind the controls. Thank you for flying with us today. Watch your step, please. Exterior, Air Force cargo plane, day. As the cargo door opens and the entire division of tunes begin leaping out one after the other, minus parachutes. The last tune to appear is a frightened and reluctant tune plane, Peewee, the only one wearing a parachute. He holds his nose with his wings and jumps out. Like he's diving in a pool. <laughs> Exterior, courtyard, day. As it begins raining tunes, all of our favorites, Donald and Daffy Duck, like they're related. Yeah. Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Pluto, etc., all of whom pile into the fray. A few of them use Goofy as a battering ram, knocking over the machine gun tower. Others start bashing Nazi tune panthers. We see some panthers and up end up dangling in trees. We see one get thrown through a wall, his twisted body leaving the shape of a swastika. <laughs> Such a great gag. The melee continues as Richie bursts through another one of the carriage house doors, driving a Nazi half-truck with a machine gun on its bed. He plows into the group, dodging more gunfire. Roger and Blackie hop on and they race out into the open field as more half-trucks, driven by Nazi soldiers, emerge from the carriage house in pursuit. One of the half-tracks has a cannon on its bed. Interior, half-track, day, moving. Richie swerves back and forth, dodging gunfire from the half-tracks in pursuit. Roger sits next to him as Blackie mans the machine gun, starts firing behind them. Blackie Come can't. on, you bozos! Give me your best shot! A shell expo- explodes three feet away. When the smoke clears, Blackie's head is gone. After a beat, it pops out of his neck. Not bad. Richie, they're gaining. Take the wheel. But I've only driven backwards. 
Another shell explodes in front of them. Richie swerves hard to the left, and the half-track starts tipping over. Exterior field day. As the half-track rolls on its side, spilling Richie, Roger, and Blackie to the ground. They scramble behind it for cover. The half-tracks are 200 yards away, moving up fast. Dozens of stormtroopers are advancing behind them. Oh, Jesus. We're done for. The last roundup. The final curtain. The end of... Suddenly we hear... I'm bringing home a baby. Bumblebee. <laughs> oh, won't my daddy be so proud of me? Angle. Swifty. Slowly ambling across the field, moving towards them. Swifty! Uh... What's all the hubbub, bub? <laughs> I was hoping you'd wait longer. <laughs> the half-tracks are a hundred yards away. More gunfire. Thrifty, show Richie all this 12 stuff you got under your shell. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, he doesn't want to see all that dumb junk. It's not dumb. It's neat. Well... Okay. Roger, I don't give a good goddamn how need it widen as Swifty <laughs> opens the back of his shell and out pops three giant howitzer cannons, a battery of machine guns, an American flag, <laughs> and a huge phonograph which immediately begins playing Stars and Stripes Forever as Swifty launches a titanic barrage of firepower <laughs> against the advancing Nazis. We see dozens of shells exploding everywhere. The awesome fusillade annihilates the approaching half-tracks, and then some. When it's all over, Swifty's massive ordnance zips back into his shell as quickly as it came out. A stunned Richie just stares at him. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Uh, yup. <laughs> Exterior. What's his name in the actual Warner Brothers cartoons again? That's a different turtle. Yeah, yeah. And his name is Cecil. 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 Exterior. Chateau Grounds. Day. We follow Jessica and Wendy on the run from Otto and his stormtroopers. We hear gunfire in the background. They race past a large transmitting shack, then the base of the radio tower. The af- Then after another 20 feet, they pull up short. A stone wall with barbed wire across the top looms ahead of them. Oh, God, Wendy. Where do we go? I don't know. I don't... I'm sorry, let me do it again. I don't know. Then Wendy looks up, considers a beat. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. (laughs) Hey, man, shit. Call Rogue Intel. Hi, and thanks for calling Rogue Intel's podcast phone. Please listen carefully, as our options have changed. For English, press 1, or say English. English. For a list of podcasts, simply state the podcast you'd like to hear after the tone. Prime. Prime, news and commentary, with a twist. Buff and Gang give their take on news, commentary and interviews in their podcast of infinite possibilities. Press 1 to play, or press 2, to play a random podcast. Now loading a random podcast. Please go to theprimepod.com for more information. Now playing some awesome shizzies. Shizzies. 
Man, you crazy ass crackers. Hi, this is Mama B from Rogan Tell Chatroom. When I shop on Amazon for things like dried mealworms, gun holsters, and chicken toys, I go to rogantel.com slash Amazon. It doesn't cost me anything extra, and it helps out my favorite podcast network. Again, that's rogantel.com slash Amazon. TableReadsPodcast.com Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, now, back to Table Reads. Now part of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. You know, before we get started, I just want to want to point out um, that ad you heard a couple ads back. Um, Which one? The, the Prime? Uh, about Amazon Prime. Or yeah. about, about Amazon, yes. that is. Uh it's it's such a good idea, guys. Really, like, just go to rogantel.com slash Amazon um, because it's as far as you know, it's the same exact goddamn Amazon that you're used to going to. The prices are all exactly the same. Yeah, we don't hike the prices up but, on you. But Amazon just throws us a little bit of change on the side, and it helps us keep doing this goddamn bullshit for free. It's literally like saying, "Hey, you're going to Amazon anyway." Or it's like saying, hey, I'm going to the store. Instead of taking this car, take this car. But don't take, don't it's buy like, anything for me. It, don't do anything. Just you, you're doing it anyway. You may not understand this, um, but anyone who's gone underwear shopping with their significant other or who is a woman, it's not um, if you go to uh, Victoria's Secret, at the register, they will always ask you, did anyone help you out today? Ah, yeah, that's a good way to say it, yeah. Um, and, you know, you can say, no, I found this bra on my own, uh, and then nobody gets any nobody gets anything it. out of it, but, you know, that, that lady that helped you, uh, if you say, oh, yeah, Candace helped me find the, thing with this the- lovely collection of bras, then Candace gets some sort of little kickback or something. I don't know what they get, but same they got to ask for uh, a reason. At Sam Ash, same thing with us. You yeah. Know. yeah. Did we're Jeff, just... Did, did, did Trevor help you or did he just have his manager help yeah. you? Table Reads helped me out. That's why I'm going to rogantel.com slash Amazon to do my Amazon shopping. I, I have a... On, on Safari, I have Command 2 bookmarked as rogantel.com slash Amazon. So anytime I need to go to Amazon, I just Command 2. Well, it's perfect for you. You, always, you buy a lot of stuff on Amazon. I do. I buy a shit ton of stuff on Amazon. So this is perfect for a guy like you. Yeah. I feel like we're doing the, the commercial a little too long now. And now it's starting to feel weird. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's get back to the script. How about? I agree. But it is a good idea. Oh, I have to do a fade in, he says. Fade in. Uh, exterior courtyard day. As Richie and Roger run to the corner of the carriage house. They stop and react, looking around. That's that's weird. Like they stop and react. <laughs> and then How are they around. reacting? <laughs> Their POV. The ground is littered with German soldiers. The ones that aren't unconscious are being roped up, rodeo style by our tunes. Donald, Daffy, Goofy, et al. Take on all charging tune panthers, beating them assembly line style, and swinging them around by their tails, then tossing them into the air. 
We follow one of the Panthers as it lands on top of a veritable mountain of knocked out Nazi tunes piled one on top of another. Yet another visual we'll never get to see, Sean. God damn it. A pile of knocked out Nazi tunes drawn by Disney's top animators. (laughs) (laughs) Another angle as Richie and Roger run into the courtyard. Wendy! Jessica! What happened to him? Wait here. I'll check the house. Roger runs into the chateau. No, it's a house. We see his head appear in a third-story window, then a second later in a ground-floor window, then in a second-story window, etc. He knows that we know this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's read a lot of bad scripts, too, I think. <laughs> in window waving. Not in here. From another. No luck. From another. These drapes have got to go. Just come on. Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. As I love the word chateau. I do, too. As Richie and Roger come from around a corner of the chateau, <laughs> run past the same transmitting shack that Wendy and Jessica passed, they stop and see the wall. Damn it! Where are they? Richie! I see them! I see them! Where? Points up. There! Richie reacts, slowly looks up, sees the main radio tower. Bum, bum, bum. It's 400 feet high. About halfway up, we see some small figures making their way up the maintenance ladder, which leads to a platform on top. Exterior, radio tower, day. On Jessica and Wendy, climbing the ladder as fast as they can. Can I just say, like, that's such a clean, practice transition. What do you mean? Well, you, uh, I see them there! And then you get a long shot of the tower. Yeah. Roger and Richie are looking up at the tower, and you see these little figures. And then we yeah. just cut in close on... on on Wendy and, and Jessica it's, it's such a clean transition instead of just like cutting between different scenes it yeah. really links them really well like this and is just some fucking like that's that's like a guy that knows his goddamn craft and once again he's not intruding on an imposed style by the director right it's a real it's a fucking I see you and I have been have been griping about how this isn't our usual fare because usually we're grumpy about how bad the fucking script is but now we're grumpy because the script is good and it didn't get made yeah we're gonna it's gonna end today <laughs> and we don't get to have this anymore yeah and then next week we get to go back to fucking garbage with <laughs> with spoiler James Cameron's 1996 Spider-Man treatment. Yeah, I can't. So, I can't wait for that. <laughs> I know. I, I. It's gonna be nice to get back to some terribleness. Yeah. At first, we've been spoiled. But then, by the time we get to the end, we're gonna be like, can we just? Can we? Can someone murder us so we don't have to do this show anymore? <laughs> I think I read something in the Rogue Intel Agreement about if we got murdered, we didn't have to do this shit anymore. Oh, man, I do- hope so. Let's check with Duff on that. Yeah. So, uh, murder. Jessica looks down um, and reacts. Jessica looks down and reacts. Two stormtroopers, followed by Otto, are after them, 50 feet below. Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. Richie still stands there, looking up. Of course. Let's go, Richie! Remember, Richie is afraid of heights. Yep. Uh, Run, stops, turns back. Richie, come on! I can't. But Wendy and Jessica are up there, in moral danger! I can't, Roger! God damn it! You know I can't! Remember what you told me once? How you can never give up? How you gotta stick with it? Keep your ear to the grindstone? Remember? Richie agonizes. He stands there for a long... This is agonizing music. As Roger starts doing a song and dance number, apparently. (laughs) He stands there for a long beat, then turns on his heels and runs away. Richie! 
I'm calling it towards the tower. I'm coming, my imperiled petunia! There's a pig up there? (laughs) Roger winds his way through the barbed wire at the base of the tower and scrambles up the ladder. Exterior, tower platform, day. A ten-foot square area just below the top of the tower. The platform is empty, save for a few loose two-by-fours and some spools of transmitting cable. A large red light blinks on and off to alert low-flying aircraft. Wendy's hand appears at the edge. She hoists herself onto the platform. Then Jessica's head pops up. She begins to climb on the platform when, angle, Jessica's leg. Ooh la la. As a hand reaches into frame and grabs her ankle. You chastised me for saying picture, and you said ooh la la, looking at her leg. (laughs) No, I said picture. I said picture. I also said it, and I didn't notice when you oh, said it, but when I thought I you were chastising it, me for no, saying No, when I said it, I was like, why did we say picture? Oh, we did, because yeah, it, I think it's because it's a 40s themed yeah, thing, you must know? be. Um, reveal one of the stormtroopers right beneath her, trying to pull her down. Look out, a plane! <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that was. Jessica does a sound effect. Oh, that's right, I forgot, yeah. she's, she's Michael Winslow. Yeah. Jessica does a sound effect. Imitating the sound of a fighter plane engine. Then machine gun fire. This Man, I did a good job on that. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> <laughs> the soldier panics, lets go of her, and spins around. There's nothing there. But when he turns back again, Jessica kicks him in the face. Then scurries up on the platform. You know... I don't picture Jessica scurrying. I don't either, but, you know, she's attuned. She can do whatever the gag calls for. The soldier clutches his face, bleeding, (laughs) as the second soldier comes up behind him, trying to get by. Otto, below them in German. Keep moving, damn you! She kicked me! I can't see! (laughs) I don't know. He got Scottish there in the middle? (laughs) I I can't see! (laughs) (laughs) She kicked me! I can't see! Uh, <laughs> he can not see. Oh boy! <laughs> Auto. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so bad. Jesus, dude! You, just, <laughs> you want to lay down some cones? There's a lot of wreckage. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Auto grabs the soldiers one at a time and yanks them off the ladder. They both fall toward the ground, I screaming. Like you, wait, I like that you tried to carry on, and then you're just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot see. Not see. We get it. It's because oh. uh, they f- both fall to the ground, screaming. Oh, oh, where am I? I'm lost. I'm lost. Oh, oh, it's Otto. I'm sorry. Worthless. Sla- <laughs> I got to read this slackers. line again because it because he says the feeds line. right into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both fall toward the ground, screaming. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't be wouldn't have been a time for the Wilhelm. Or a, but again, again, this Wait. line only works if it immediately follows. The this you know what line I'm, of direction. I don't remember where I put the Wilhelm one. You just played. Oh, I didn't. That's oh, the there Wilhelm. it is. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, but but also focus on your line. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, go. Um, Otto grabs the soldiers one at a time and yanks them off the ladder. They both fall toward the ground, screaming. Ah! Worthless slackers! Where's my goddamn music? Thank you, officer. Exterior radio tower day on Roger about halfway to the top. I'm almost there, Buttercup. Hang on. Exterior, tower platform, day. 
As Otto climbs onto the platform, blood trickles from a wound on his head. Wendy and Jessica move to the other side. Remember what I told you, Jesse? Right to the top. The top or most of the pop <laughs> Just back off it, Attila. All I want are the keys, Jessica. I'll let you both go, I promise. Forget it. The only place that your rocket's gonna get is right up your... Red lining? Oh. Give me the keys! There you go. Otto lunges forward. Jessica dodges him and moves to the other side of the platform. He goes for her again. She pulls the keys out of her dress and tosses them to Wendy. Otto turns, goes for Wendy, who tosses them back to Jessica. Otto screams now, out of control. <laughs> Dives for Jessica again, tackling her feet. <laughs> Jessica loses her balance, starts to fall. Jesse! Jessica tosses the keys back to Wendy just as she falls off the platform, grabbing the edge and holding on. Exterior, radio tower, day. As Roger, still climbing, sees Jessica hanging off the edge. Eyes bugging out. Jessica! Exterior, tower, platform, day. Otto backs Wendy to the edge. She moves to the left, then the right, and so does he. Then she starts to scramble between his legs and they fall to the platform together. He pins her and finally prize the keys from her left hand. Now, wasn't that easy? Otto grabs a loose 2x4 and smashes the blinking light right next to them. Shards of red glass fall to the platform. He grabs the largest one. Its edge is jagged and sharp. You said you'd let us go! April Fool's toots. He's doing an American accent. Badly. Yeah. He grabs her hair, slams her head down on the platform, then moves the piece of jagged red glass toward her throat. She tries to hold it back with all her strength. When it's a few inches away, we hear the sound of a second fighter plane engine. Otto just smiles. (laughs) I'm afraid that will only work once, Miss Krupnik. With all his strength, Otto plunges the shard of glass downwards. The engine becomes louder, and then Pee-wee, the tune plane, jet engine. Jet engine. Yeah. That's a propeller sound. Do you see a jet engine sound anywhere near us? We hear the sound of a second fighter plane engine. It's a jet engine. Right. With all his strength, Otto plunges the... Oh, yeah. uh, Pee-wee, the tune plane, streaks out of the clouds, heading directly into camera. As it zooms by, we see a determined Richie at the controls. Interior, tune plane, day, moving. From behind Richie's shoulder, we see the platform as Richie and Pee-wee hurtle toward it. Exterior, tower platform, day. The shard of red glass touches Wendy's throat. The engine noise reaches its peak, and Otto turns to see Richie and Pee-wee. Just as Pee-wee's left wing becomes a fist, he draws it back and smacks Otto in the face as he flies by, knocking him ten feet in the air and sending him plummeting toward the ground. Exterior, radio tower, day. On Roger, almost to the top, yelling at Jessica. Hang on, Pear Blatham! Almost there, sugar cane! To Otto, who plunges by him. I see you. Back to Jessica. I'm coming, creme de menthe! Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. As Otto plummets to the ground, landing in the thick maze of barbed wire surrounding the tower. Exterior, tower platform, day. As an elated Wendy pulls Jessica back onto the platform. We did it, Jesse! We did it! What happened? Richie happened. 
They both turn, just as Richie and Pee-wee fly by the tower. Richie gives them a victorious salute and a thumbs up. (laughs) Then Pee-wee does the same. Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. By the base of the tower, Wendy, Jessica, and Roger wait on the ground as Richie lands... Pee-wee. Sorry, Sorry, am I keeping you up? As Richie lands Pee-wee and taxis to a stop. He hops out of the cockpit, crosses to Pee-wee's nose, gives it a pat. Nice flying, pal. Well, sure. I'm a plane, aren't I? (laughs) Richie! Richie turns. Roger, Wendy, and Jessica are all running towards him. He starts running for them, too, and they all collided with each other, joyfully falling and rolling around on the grass. (laughs) I knew you'd come through, Richie! I knew it! You all right? Okay, wise guy. You a big enough hero now. They gaze at each other a bit. A bit. They gaze at each other a beat, then embrace. We see Wendy's face as she holds him. Then her expression changes. Richie? Richie! Richie lets go of her, and the group turns, reacts. Angle, base of radio tower. Holy smokes, he's a tomb! (laughs) No, I kid. Remember me, Eddie? (laughs) We're auto-landed. The thick barbed wire is pressed down, but Otto is no longer there. A trail of blood on the concrete and then on the grass leads to the chateau. Oh, no. (laughs) Why was that funny? The way you said it. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Interior, Otto's office, day. We are close on the control panel as a bloodied hand reaches into frame with one of the key... With one of keys. <laughs> inserts it into we need to a... stop praising this guy. He's a great rider. He stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Inserts it in the slot on the panel and turns it. Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. We hear the high-pitched shriek of a rocket engine, and the V2 roars off of its platform and soars into the sky, quickly gaining altitude as our group reacts in horror. Holy moly! FDR's gonna be R.I.P. Not if we can catch it, he won't. Come on! Richie and Roger start running for Pee-wee. Then they stop, both turn back again, and with synchronized precision, grab their respective girls, lean them backward, and kiss them passionately, then run for the tune plane again. Exterior, courtyard day. The tunes in the courtyard watch the rocket's flight. A bit confused, as the door to the chateau opens and Otto staggers out. His clothes are in shreds and he is soaked in blood. Yes! Go! You beautiful baby! He staggers into the courtyard, addresses the tunes. Did you see it? Did you see how it soars? I did that! Me! Yes! This will win the war! The Iron Cross! That's what I'll get! I will be the Führer's hand-picked! Otto's mad rambling is silenced as a Steinway grand piano (laughs) drops into frame and crushes him. We hold as the piano chords resonate for a few beats. I love it. Widen to reveal Blackie, who has just finished crossing Otto's path. He casually strolls over to Swifty. That's something that you never would actually see in the movie, but it's just for the readers crossing the path. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. Guy was getting on my nerves. Oh. Yup. <laughs> Exterior, Chateau Grounds, day. Richie jumps into Pee Wee's cockpit. Dirty. Uh-huh. Roger climbs into the passenger seat behind him. 
Without missing a beat, Pee-wee roars directly upwards so quickly that Roger's ears just stay behind as if the as the plane hurdles out of frame. A beat, then the ears zip out of frame as well. Exterior, skies over Germany, day. As we follow the rocket's flight for a few beats, then we pan to reveal the tune plane racing after it. Interior, tune plane, moving. Richie watches the rocket as he gains altitude. Pee-wee's engine continues to roar. Sir? Sir! I don't think we are... I don't think I was drawn to go this fast. Huh? Hang in there, buddy. God, Roger, look at that thing move. We see Roger now in the passenger seat, his face several shades of green, his cheeks puffed out. Richie guns the <laughs> throttle. Pee-wee gives it all he's got, and a queasy Roger slides off the seat and uh, disappears inside the plane. How great would that have been to see animated? Somebody's calling me. Why don't you turn your phone off before we podcast? He said, silencing his phone surreptitiously. Uh, Sorry, folks. Exterior skies over Germany. Day. Various. The rocket on radio control slowly glides to the left. Richie follows it. Now it climbs. Richie does the same. The tune plane is now level with the V2, 500 yards to its right. Suddenly, the rocket's afterburner kicks in, and with a deep roar, it accelerates. The tune plane starts to fall behind. Come on, get the lead out. We're going to lose it. I'm flying as fast as I can. No, you're not. A split S. It's an aerobatic maneuver. A power dive on your back. My father used to do it all the time. What about you? If he could, so can I. (laughs) Richie pulls back on the stick and a terrified Pee-wee zips up out of frame again. Widen, as Richie quickly gains altitude, does a double barrel roll, then flips Pee-wee over on his back, diving straight down. Pee-wee reacts, strained to the limit. We slowly see his tail and the tips of his wings begin to blur. Another angle, moving. As the tune plane slowly moves into frame, upside down, flying like a bat out of hell. We follow it for a beat, then the rocket slowly moves into frame from the opposite side, underneath it. After a few beats, they're right on top of it. Close on upside down cockpit. Oh, they're stealing a book, uh, play from fucking Maverick's yep. playbook. Yep. As Richie struggles to maintain control of the speeding tune plane. A moment. You said this was 1988, this was written, right? 89. 89, yeah, definitely. A moment, then Roger's hand sticks down from beneath his seat. Then Roger pulls his body out. He's nauseated, dizzy, completely out of it. It's like, it's like the direction is Roger. He's nauseated, dizzy, completely out of it. Yeah. Th- thanks for the lift, mister. I'll walk to the curb from here. What? Roger hoists himself out of the seat, not realizing he's upside down, ends up dangling by one hand from the plane. After a beat, he falls and lands directly on the rocket. It's afterburner kicks in again, and it glides to the left and speeds away. Roger! Exterior, rocket, day, moving. As Roger stands on top of it, relieved and quite oblivious. Nice to be back on good old terra firmness. Strolls to the front of the rocket, singing. I was walking through the park on one day in the merry, merry month of... Looks down, rip panics. Mayday! Mayday! Roger's eyes bugs out. Roger's eyes bug out of his head, <laughs> and his feet start flying underneath him as he tries to get away. He runs like crazy. The rocket begins to spin underneath him like a log on a river. 
He runs faster. The rocket spins more wildly. <laughs> Wyden, as the rocket veers out of control, starts flying up, then down, from side to side as Roger keeps running, screaming at the top of his lungs. The rocket now disappears over the horizon. Exterior, Terrace in Malta, day. We see the backs of three tall chairs and the heads of three men sitting in them and the blue Mediterranean beyond them in the distance. A waiter steps over to the chair with a tray. Your lemonade, Mr. President. Thank you, Richard. That was Roosevelt. Yep. <laughs> my Roosevelt good. impersonation. I'm taking that one on the road. Dude, that shit is fucking solid. He takes his drink as we see the distant white vapor trail of a rocket in the sky over the Mediterranean. The trail circles around a few times, does a loop-the-loop, and finally explodes in a distant flash of yellow and orange, its pieces fluttering to the earth and briefly forming the letters, Eat at Joe's. <laughs> Did you see that? See what, dear boy? That's Churchill. I see nothing. <laughs> I swear I just... Oh, well. Shall we get to work, gentlemen? Exterior, Hollywood Boulevard, day. As a ticker tape parade passes the Hollywood Roosevelt, the sidewalks are lined with... It's not, there's not another FDR in <laughs> Hollywood. No. It's, it's a hotel. Yeah. The sidewalks are lined with scores of ecstatic people cheering America's biggest heroes since Lindbergh. Yay. Maybe even bigger. Perhaps. We see two convertibles and a flatbed truck carrying Blackie, Swifty, Peewee, and the rest of the tunes. Big truck. That was originally the Touche El Duche title. Blackie, Swifty, Pee Wee, and the rest of the tunes. <laughs> Richie and Roger are first sitting in the back of the... Of, ah. Richie and Roger are first <laughs> sitting in the back of a convertible, waving to the crowd as they are showered with confetti and ticker tape. The tunes are second, hoisting Pee Wee on their shoulders as the crowd continues to cheer wildly. Then Jessica and Wendy pass in another convertible. But on seeing this car, the throng cease cheering and simply gape with astonishment at Jessica. Their mouths hang open and their heads all slowly follow the convertible as it passes. Exterior, Grauman's Chinese Theater, day. We are close on Richie, standing in front of a microphone on a platform which, he, which has been decorated with red, white, and blue banners. The tune VIPs sit on the right side, a number of local dignitaries sit on the left, and Wendy, Jessica, and Roger are behind him. We see Earl and Dora here, too, sitting in the front row near Roger. These are, uh, these are Roger's human adoptive parents, Yes, for those that don't remember. Uh, the three human Randall boys are decked out in their Sunday best, all wearing bow ties exactly like Roger's. Richie is addressing the crowd, which stretches back an entire city block. The platforms they're on is about 15 feet off the ground, giving Richie... A less intense but still formidable tinge of anxiety. It's funny. Being a hero isn't all that it's cracked up to be. In fact, I wish I was down there with you. Or actually, down anywhere. <laughs> Besides, I guess I'm not that sure what a hero really is. But I know what a friend is. It's someone who believes in you, even when you stop believing in yourself. I ran over somebody like that in Kansas one morning. <laughs> he and I, well, that was a pretty good day for me. He turns to Roger, smiles, then goes and sits down as the crowd starts to cheer. Roger reacts, a bit tearful, crosses to the mic. He looks out at the cheering crowd, then turns back to Jessica and blows her a kiss. It misses and lands on the mayor's cheek. <laughs> Jessica takes it off and puts it on hers. The cheers die down. 
He takes out a stack of pages from his pocket, begins to read his prepared speech. We hear his voice echo in the crowd. Today, I consider myself the luckiest tune on the face of the earth. Who would have thought that an abandoned bundle of joy from the wheat fields of Kansas? Interior, Toontown Apartment, Day. A tune living room. The whole living room is a tune. Yeah. It's animated. A radio is on in the corner. We see a pair of tune rabbit ears pop into frame as Roger's voice continues. Would grow up to get the Medal of Honor and a four pick pack, not to mention a key to the city of Hollywood and Glendale, Burbank, San Bernardino, Blythe. Exterior, Grauman's Chinese Theater, day. As Roger continues to address the crowd, it's later, a lot later. The pages he's read from are now piled up around him, burying him up to the waist. <laughs> he's just we, listing places. We see several people either asleep on the platform or struggling to stay awake. Valparaiso, Chile, Papa, New Guinea, East Papa, New Guinea. No, it's Papa, Papa New, New Guinea. Guinea, East Papa New Guinea. Angle, feeding crowd. As, as tune rabbits' feet and a smaller and a familiar dress quickly move through the crowd. Luanda, Angola, Trenton, New Jersey. Then Roger looks up, stops reading. He sees a pair of tune rabbit ears winding their way towards the front of the crowd. Richie, who has been dozing on and off, looks up and sees them too. He gets up from his seat and crosses to the front of the platform. Looks on with Roger as the crowd slowly parts to reveal another Toon Rabbit, who looks exactly like Roger, save for a little rouge on her cheeks, a small pillbox hat, and the polka dot dress. Roger just looks down at her a beat. Richie gently prods him, and Roger slowly steps off the platform and moves toward her. Another angle, from the waist down, as the two pairs of feet come together. Roger and his mother stare at each other for a moment, tears filling their eyes. Son? <laughs> Mater! Mamma Mia! Progenitor! Mom! Her ears extend toward him, wrapping around his head and slowly pulling him toward her. They embrace. Roger holds her tightly as she cries, gently stroking the back of her head with his ears. Richie, Wendy, and Jessica look down at them, smiling and holding each other. Another angle, as Roger and his mother slowly pull apart. Oh, Mom, I'm so happy. But what about my father? His mother, still sobbing, gestures over to the theater, where we see, leaning against the box office, Bugs Bunny, who takes this all in, casually munching on a carrot. After a beat... He turns into camera and smiles. Eh, ain't I a stinker? The End Thus concludes... The best script we've ever written on this or read on this Rep. show. We wish we wrote it. Yeah, fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> We'd be a lot cockier about the stuff that we do. Right? Yeah, man. This is we weren't awesome yet when we did this one, but we're pretty awesome. Yeah. 
God damn, it is a really great script. So, I mean, we talked about how it's weird that it's called Roger Rabbit 2, even though it's a prequel. But I guess prequels weren't too popular back then. That's true. There weren't a whole lot of them. Yeah. So, um, I gotta say, though, for a prequel, there were a lot of traps they could have fallen into in writing a Roger Rabbit prequel. And they didn't fall into any of them. Like, they could have tried to describe where tunes come from. Yep. They could have tried to give us Judge Doom's fucking origin and reveal his identity. Eddie's origin. Eddie and Teddy. There could have been an well, Eddie and Teddy we, movie. I figure we already got plenty of that. Yeah, but they could have made the mistake of it being about that. You know, and it, yeah. it wasn't uh, wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary to have Eddie in it because there's yeah, only... You know, actually, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is more about Eddie than Roger. In a lot of ways, yeah. yeah. So doing a prequel could have focused on, on Eddie. It could have been it, the it Valiant been, and Valiant movie. It could have been interesting. Um... But just like two hours of them hanging out in Cancun. <laughs> just that whole the whole Cancun adventure yeah. is, a, is is the movie. And then yeah. it just then it just ends with a piano falling. <laughs> yeah. But no, they're they're like Roger Rabbit built such a, a rich world that there could have been a lot of things to explore and and fuck up in a prequel. There was And he didn't do any of that. Like he gave us like he didn't even like overly explain Roger's origin. No, not really. Like he just he was a tune rabbit that didn't know he was a tune or a rabbit. That's why we have to give him credit for understanding cartoon logic because he understands that you give a character background and story, but only enough that it can support any and all jokes that you do throughout the piece. Yeah. That's what they live for, especially if you're going to base it on Tex Avery. You know, the Tex Avery outlook yeah. on things. You know, they've been put Droopy in, and Droopy is probably the strongest character that Tex ever made, and yet he doesn't. No, that's what I'm. That's the point that I'm making. Tex's characters exist for gags only. So Droopy has virtually no personality except that he doesn't have a personality. And well, that's, it's just. That's about it. But, I mean. Maybe you mean post Bugs Bunny creations? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the stuff he did at MGM. Okay, you know, because yeah, yeah, when you Bugs say Bunny, Droopy Dog is is Tex Avery's greatest legacy, <laughs> no, 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 not his legacy. But I'm saying that, like, I'm saying of has the most character of the characters he created, especially at MGM, because I'm, they I, really did exist for the guy. I really love Screwy Squirrel, though. Yeah, but he's really just a Bugs Bunny clone. Pretty he's, much, he's more zany. It's way more this, zany. This sounds like something for Looney Tunes critic. Yeah. However, um, Nat Malden did a fucking bang he up sure job. Did. He gave us just enough backstory. You know. He and- also proved to me that I remember. You know, like a lot of people that have loyalty to a, to a, a movie. I thought there's no way it could be written by anyone other than the guys that wrote the original one. Uh, uh, some somebody Price and Jeffrey Seaman or something like that. Price and Seaman. Um, and not true. One guy did did justice to the original. That yeah, you know. and you know, like he introduced new characters, but not in a way that makes us wonder what the fuck ever happened to them. Right. Like Richie and Wendy, they went off somewhere. Yeah, they're living happily ever after. Yep. Um, and we don't need to worry about how come they're not around in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because it doesn't matter. And they didn't. They also, I don't. They. Yeah, they, they, they tied off that whole story very neatly, you know. It's Yeah, I mean every like it was really, really well done. And in a time when there was no playbook for prequels. Yeah, that's the other thing you gotta really 
point out is that there's no way nothing if you'd looked I mean there's got to have been at there least one prequel there had to have prequel. been some prequels yeah. back then but like it wasn't even a word nobody yeah. said prequel in 1989 yeah probably not so it was rare enough that it wasn't like an easily established thing like I bet now you can go take a seminar on how to write a good prequel yeah and the, back the, then no fucking way and the points that you gotta hit and yeah and the rules you gotta follow yeah and like he just he walked that that beautiful line that very thin line between referential and new and if anybody could have pulled it off it would have been Robert Zemeckis at that time because Zemeckis had never you'd never seen a sequel like Back to the Future Part 2 that actually went back into that actually went into the original movie that everyone yeah. loved so much. And so, you know, maybe that's what they were thinking that, you know, this is a, a new idea and that Zemeckis could pull it off, but he was at the time he was making you Back know, to the Future. The only thing that I can think that would have kept this from being made is the heavy Nazi presence. That's probably what did it. And and the other thing I'm wondering about is, like 10 years ago, I think, there was talk of a direct-to-video, all-animated Roger Rabbit sequel that took place in Toontown. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if they maybe were going to take stuff from this script and try and do it all-animated, which would have kind of ruined it. But here's the good thing. If anyone should choose to make a Roger Rabbit movie... As long as Charles Fleischer and Kathleen Turner are still around, mm-hmm. they can still make the script exactly as it is. Even even without them, you mean? To I mean, tell you, me? you could get some sound alikes. You could you could easily get some sound alikes. I guess they're not the Simpsons. No, <laughs> even then, it's like I, I do know actually. There's a, there are a few people in Hollywood who do pickup work for the Simpson voice people. But, um, that's how that's how well. But if one of the family dies, that show's over. They're not going to replace yeah. Homer or Marge or any. You of the know family. what? I don't know that they wouldn't do that. But anyway, dude, they haven't even replaced minor characters when they've died. They're not going to replace one of the main family members. They would let it go. Uh, maybe the. But Simpsons anyway, were. the point is, this was written in 1989. We were 10. Yeah. We are almost 40 now. This is almost 30 years old. And they could still make this movie right yeah. now, just as it is. Right off the page. They'd have to take out uh, the Eddie cameo, is all. Yeah. yeah. But the Eddie, Eddie cameo doesn't even make sense here anyway, because... What he, happened? I forgot. He was in the barbershop, and Roger like ran through, and, and he goes like, tunes. Oh, yeah, it was just a, But at this point, he would have loved tunes. Yeah. Yeah, he loved... Yeah, that's right. Him and Teddy... He even says in that monologue, back in the old days, me and Teddy really liked Loontown. The Toontown thought it was a lot of laughs. Yeah. So, uh, like, like they, they can still make this. It's not too late, Hollywood. Yeah. Do something right for once. Although they might be even more worried about the, uh, the, the PC con- climate now. I mean, it's even harder to do anything about Nazis or, you know. Dude, come on. In the 60s. When everybody alive pretty much still remembered World War II, we had fucking Hogan's you, Heroes. You could get away with more in the 60s. Still, An- though. Animated, you could get away with more. Still, though. Like, Hogan's Heroes was a comedy about American POWs in a Nazi prison camp. It is funny. It is just funny on a premise level. Like, that's why I love Gilbert Godfrey's whole take on yeah, it. Yeah, but like, we don't need it. Uh, no, no, no. Where it's just like, it, he's got a good point where it's just like, it's so absurd. Yeah. But I think, I think they could do, like... The first, who framed Roger Rabbit was not 
like it would have to be sold as a satire. It was not tailored for kids at all. No, which I didn't even realize until I was reading like some little kid version of uh, like an adaptation of it. Yeah, one of those story books. And they and I noticed like when uh, Eddie goes into Toontown, they don't have the thing with him pouring out his bottle of liquor. No. Like, oh yeah, no, oh yeah, there's an alcoholic. As the center of this whole movie. They, there were a bunch of different creative ways that they had to get around that for some of the more uh, ch- child-friendly like things. The, there, was a, there, was a, there was a comic book that was directly for kids, targeted at them, and it was Judge Doom coming back to life, and there's a whole... Remember how in Bambi they had that whole multi-layered camera for the shooting the cells? Yeah. And so they bring him back using one of those. And uh, they have to write around the fact that Eddie isn't drinking anymore, but they can't say that he used to drink. So he's addicted to jelly beans all throughout it. Oh, great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Kids come away with the impression that Nazis are bad. I I did hear a story, though, about that, that where he pours it out. That uh, when in the theater, you know, it's a, f- it's a theater full of kids and mothers, and right, you know, when Eddie starts to take a drink and then he pours it out, <laughs> the the producer Robert Watts said right behind him there was a woman, a mother, and she just said, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> it's like are we gonna have this movie be an alcoholic throughout the whole movie. But but like I said um, before, you went back to a point I thought we were done with. Um, the worst case scenario from this script is kids leave the theater thinking that Nazis are bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Uh, I, a lot of kids nowadays, you know, seven and eight, you know, are watching movies like Indiana Jones and The Temple of Doom. and You know, with Steve Bannon working in the White House, I feel <laughs> like we could use this lesson yeah. being put on our kids. This would be a good way to... This is a teaching tool. <laughs> and now that Table Reads has gotten all political, yeah. we bid you a fond farewell... Don't forget to subscribe. Listen to our other show, uh, Touche El Douche. You can find it on iTunes. And because we're talking about cartoons, you got to hit up YouTube.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse. You'll find Trevor doing Looney Tunes commentaries as well as other Looney Tunes critiquing. Yep. Uh, I help him out with some of that sometimes. Yep. Um, Every Saturday morning, there's a new cartoon. So go get that. Do it. Watch it. Absorb it. And we will see you next week where we will tackle James Cameron's Spider-Man just in time for the release next week of Spider-Man Homecoming, which I'm drastically looking forward to. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, everybody. The voice of Table Reads is Art Carlson. Hey, that's kind of meta. Meta. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. FerrisWheelhouse.net Fuck. Cut to black.